word's going to change our lives. Amen? Amen? Come on. That was good. A few of you, the word's going to change a few of your lives. The word's going to change our lives. Amen? There we go. Thank you. Come on now. Come on. All right. Good stuff. Hey, turn with me to Acts chapter 26. Let's dive into the word of God. Acts chapter 26. So I believe uh, Kurt Schnabel, uh, one of our assistant pastors, started this series last week. Uh, And by the way, I was... Last week, uh, I'm sure everyone was wondering where I was. Just joking. Just messing around. No, you guys are like, we didn't, we didn't even know you were gone, Dave. <laughs> no, but uh, no, actually, I was with the kids in the back. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Because uh, we really want our leaders to, uh, those who are our main leaders, especially guys, to be back there with the young people. So I was with the kingdom agents which is basically my son's age, five years and like, I don't know, the third grade or something like that. I had five boys and uh, we actually do worship with the preschool. So preschool and, uh, and the elementary do worship together, jumping around and shouting to Jesus and stuff like that, teaching them how to worship. And then I was just teaching them the word a little bit. And I mean, man, I gave them an hour long sermon. You know what I'm saying? Tour with your Bibles, uh, young men. I just, I didn't do that. Of course I didn't do that. But, uh, but you, though, you know, we might give milk to young kids, but we give meat to mature people, right? So we're going to give you the meat of the word here today. That's how we do it around here. But I love being with the kids, but I love being with you as well. So it was a privilege. So Acts chapter 26. Today I want to talk to you about Jesus, the great physician. As they used to call him back in the old days, now we would call him the best doctor. Amen? He is the best doctor. This series that we're doing, we're going to be doing this for a number of weeks, is called Jesus MD uh, because he is the best doctor and he is the most qualified to heal you. And in this series, I want to encourage you and I want to build your faith up specifically for physical healing. We know the Lord heals all different ways, but we need our faith to be built up in physical healing. And uh, the reason why we're really focusing on this, well, one, because Jesus told me to, but uh, because last month the Lord was calling us, like I said, to this gospel with power, to really embrace the gospel, the full gospel for our own lives and for others. And this issue of physical healings, I don't know, anyone read the gospels lately? Is that, did Jesus heal people physically? Seems kind of central to the gospel and the gospel Jesus preached. Yeah? Anyone else? Yeah, I, I noticed that. I just seems to pop out every time I read the Bible. Just, whoa, look at that. Jesus is teaching, healing. Jesus is teaching, healing. Jesus is teaching, healing. And we've noticed that, haven't we? Those of you who've been with us in this series, he taught, he preached, he healed, right? It's all over. It's all over. That's the pattern of his ministry. And so we want to understand this. Why did he do that? Why did he minister in healing? And how is it that we can receive that and minister that? And, you know, when it comes to that physical healing, lots of questions, isn't there? Lots of questions. Like, well, really, are you sure it's for today, Dave? Are you sure? And uh, are, you, are, you, are, you say, are you saying like we're like those wacko people, you know, like we don't go to doctors? No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Or what about suffering? You know, what about all those innocent people who, who die? And what if people don't get healed? That's the big one. I seriously, if I were to like rate the questions, big one right on the lip. How, what about that person that didn't get healed? Or what about that loved one? Or what about that person I prayed for? Do I not have enough faith? Did they not have enough faith? A lot of questions. Those questions are good questions. Amen? Those are good questions, valid questions. We're going to answer those questions, but you guys are going to have to walk with me, okay? We're going to just look at the Word of God. But let me show you something here in Acts chapter 26. 
Paul is rehearsing or retelling, I should say, his salvation experience, his testimony of how he got saved. And he's telling people about this, this story of his. And he says here in verse 14, and when we had all fallen to the ground, remember this big shining light came, Paul's on the road to Damascus, big shining light came, knocked him down on the ground. When they all fell to the ground, Paul says, I heard a voice speaking to me in a Hebrew language. This is Jesus talking to him, right? Saul, Saul, uh, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. This is the apostle Paul. His name was Saul. And this is how he got saved and launched into ministry. And so Saul says to this voice, Jesus, so I said, who are you, Lord? And the voice said, he said, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. But rise, stand on your feet, verse 16, for I have appeared to you for this purpose. Right? See, when you get saved, you also receive a calling, don't you? Amen? It's not just the Apostle Paul. Every believer is a disciple. Every disciple is a minister. Jesus saved us. Forgive us of our sins. But he also called us to partner with him. And he says to Paul, get up. I have a purpose for your life. And that's why I'm coming to you. That's why I'm encountering you and meeting you. He says, this is the purpose. Listen to what he says to Paul. This is what shaped Paul's ministry. This is his job description. I love it. I love this. This is one of my favorites. I say that probably about everything, don't I? This is the purpose that I've appeared to you. Verse, end of verse 16. To make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I will send you. Verse 18, listen to this. To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Do you see what he said? Man, I'm sending you to preach the gospel. You are going to turn people's hearts from darkness to light. You're going to turn people's hearts from Satan to God, from worshiping demons and worshiping other gods and from that bondage and that slavery to, to, the, to the enemy and to sin, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you and you're going to preach the gospel and people are going to get set free. Their lives are going to turn around. You're going to literally lead them to repentance, basically, and lead them out of darkness into the light of God's kingdom. And you're going to lead them out of bondage to Satan and into the freedom of living for the true God. Amen? That's what he's saying here, right? From darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. And I love this. That they may receive forgiveness of sins. That one's pretty easy for us. Yeah, that they would receive forgiveness of sins. I'm calling you to, sending you that you would get people out of darkness and that they would receive forgiveness of sins. That's eternal salvation, right? Because we, have, we need our, our sins forgiven. We need that disease cured so that we can be made right with God, spend eternity with Him. We say, amen, praise God, hallelujah. But notice the next thing. And, not just that they would free, receive forgiveness of sins. You notice that? And an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Did you know that you have an inheritance? Nope. We should survey Christians. How many of you know you have an inheritance? I don't even know what that means. Don't you think we should know what that means? Do you know that Paul talked about this all over his letters? That you have an inheritance? And you know what Paul believed? He believed he was gripped that I am, being, I am commissioned to make sure that you get your inheritance. You have an inheritance. I mean, seriously. Most of us do not know that, do we? 
Most of us do not know the content of our inheritance. It's like, how do you get an inheritance? Somebody has to die, right? That's how you get an inheritance. Somebody dies, you get an inheritance. It's like somebody in your family died and left you this massive inheritance and you don't even know it. Or some of you, you know that Jesus died and you know that he died for things to give you things, but you don't know what those things are. Or you think it's very limited. And the reality is, is most people, all they do is they preach the gospel of forgiveness from sins, which is obviously the the most important in the beginning. But we don't realize that that forgiveness of sins, that being made right with God, is the doorway into this huge promised land. Into this huge mansion of the blessings and the promises of God that are considered our inheritance. If God made a promise in his word, If God has said to you, I want to do this for you, I give this to you, I have purchased this with my blood for you, then that is your inheritance. That make sense? And I literally am commanded by God in Scripture to convince you of your inheritance and to bring you into your inheritance. I'm telling you, there's a lot of preachers out there, they just don't want to touch the subject of healing or many other subjects because they're afraid. I understand why well, I wouldn't want, oh man, I don't know, I wouldn't want people to think that I'm some, uh, you know, name it and claim it or prosperity or whatever, right? They just, people get afraid. But you know, if I keep silent, do you realize I will stand before God and give an account of whether or not he will ask me, I am guarantee it. If you're there on that day, I will stand before God. He likes me. He loves me. And he will ask me. He'll already know. Did you lead my people into their inheritance? I am commanded in Scripture, 2 Timothy 4, preach the word, it says. Preach the word. I'm not commanded to tell you about my experience. Well, you know, I've never seen it. I'm not really sure if it's God's will or... You know, healings for today because of my experience. I'm not to preach my experience. I'm not to quibble over words. I'm not to get into myths. To tell you nice little stories that make you feel good. But don't bring life to you. I am commanded in the word of God to preach the word to you. And it says this, preach the word. He says in 2 Timothy 4, convince. It's the first word he says, Convince. If there is a truth in the Word of God, I am to convince you. You and I, we are not without a God. Amen? We have been reconciled to God, those of us who have given Jesus lordship in our life, and we are citizens of heaven. We are people of a different kingdom. And I am to help you to understand how that kingdom operates. Of course there's brokenness in this world. Of course. Because this world is under the sway of the wicked one, the Bible says under the deception of demonic powers and human beings who believe those lies and walk in rebellion against God. Of course there's brokenness. Of course there's suffering. Not because it's God's will, but because the enemy, the the Bible calls the devil the God of this age. He's the God of religion. He's the God who paints pictures in people's minds that God is a mean God. The devil is so masterful at doing something wicked and then getting you and I, it's horrible, even believers, to believe that it was God that did it. He's so good at just finagling and saying, I think that was God's will, don't you think, right? And just kind of just 
And what he's done is he's painted a picture in our minds of a God that's not really God. He's the God of this age. He's the God of religion. And why do you think in most worlds, animism or the worship of demons and the fear of demons and the worship of many gods is so prevalent? Uh, maybe it's because there's lots of demons and they all want to be worshipped. He's the God of this age. And I'm literally to convince, the Bible says, rebuke and exhort to preach the word. Why? Because this is reality. This is truth. Why do you think we needed a Bible? Amen? Because there's so much deception in this world. We needed God to give us in concrete form the written word of God so we could see what is reality. Why? Because I don't see it on the earth. If you're standing in a barren field, well, I don't see any fruit here. Where's the seeds? It's right here, isn't it? Have we been learning that for, for months? That the kingdom always comes in the form of a seed, right? the word of the kingdom if you don't have any fruit you don't go well maybe it's not god's will no you plant some seed and i have found with physical healing that this is one of those big ones that people really don't believe god i remember one one time talking to a woman of a woman of god and she really had a hard time with the issue of healing it's god's will she was asking me questions and that's fine i love people when they i love i love it when people ask questions it's not the problem and I showed her in the word of God what it says. And then, I, and then she said something about finances. It was just kind of in the conversation. I said, so, so you believe God to provide for you, huh? Yeah, yeah. I told, oh, man, I know. God's promised in his word. And I said, why do you believe God to provide for you financially? Oh, I've seen him do it over and over again. Oh, okay. So you believe God to provide for your finances because you've seen it in your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you haven't seen healing. Yeah, I haven't. What is her faith based in? Now, her faith is based in the fact that God is faithful and made promises for finances. But guess what? If you plant tomato seeds, what fruit do you get? Tomatoes. But what if you need cucumbers in your diet? You need to plant what? Cucumbers. You have an inheritance. You have an inheritance from God that Jesus promised in his word and he paid for with his blood. And if you don't know what that inheritance is, you can't take hold of it. And that girl, as wonderful of a woman of God as she is, I challenged her. You believe because of experience. But we are to believe what God says in his word so that we can see that happen in our life. You've got to know what the word says. I am commanded to convince you, to show you what the word says about who God is, to show you what the word says about the promise of God and your inheritance. And, and this issue, again, of, it could be of anything. I am passionate about you receiving all of your inheritance and you moving in the things of God. And if there were something that needed to be corrected, the Bible says preach the word, convince, rebuke, exhort. If there was something that needed to be corrected, I need to correct it, don't I? If there's some area in our life that's not lined up with the word, man, we got to line it up, right? So I'm commanded to do that and to lead us into that. And if I didn't do that, I would be negligent. And like I said, this issue of physical healing, it's one of those things that people just, they don't believe. And I'll tell you why. Because our brain doesn't work that way. This is a kingdom thing. This is not a natural world, natural order of things. We live in a broken, fallen world. And we need to begin to have our minds renewed and our faith lifted to see who our God is and what he has promised in his word, that Jesus is the best doctor. Now, thank you, Lord, for human doctors, all right? Praise God. I'm just going to say that on the outset. I never diss technology and things like that. 
But you ever met anyone who couldn't be healed by a doctor? You ever? Yeah? Am I the only one? You ever met anyone that they just had no clue what it was? I thought we live in a modern age. We don't need physical divine healing because we got doctors, right? We got technology, I thought. You know, I used to think that. As ridiculous as it sounds, and I hear it all the time. Well, you know, maybe, maybe we don't see healing in America because, like, we don't really need it anymore. <laughs> I used to think that when I was, like, 17. Until I uh, grew up a little bit, and I started running into people. Oh, you have a chronic pain? You have chronic pain? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you mean, oh, you're addicted to pain meds? Wow, that stinks. I mean... Vicodin and all that stuff. Dude, that's addictive stuff. Is that a cure? It's not a cure. That's addictive. Man, they used to give people cocaine and stuff like that back in the day to, to help them with their pain. And they become crack addicts. Do you know 20 years from now, it's going to be the same thing with Vicodin. Sorry, I'm getting a little bit on my rant here. That thing's not good. I'm not saying, I'm not saying you can't use it in the hospital. I, what I'm saying is we have some problems, don't we? Last time I checked, we have a massive problem in our culture with things that doctors can't fix. Some of it's dietary, like, I mean, some diabetes and things like that are dietary. Not all of it. We have things that doctors don't have a clue about because some of it's probably spiritual, most of it. But maybe it's just that they, maybe technology hasn't gotten that far yet. Praise God for technology. One day. One day we'll get more stuff. I praise God for, like, malaria vaccines and smallpox vaccines. Praise God, you know what I'm saying? Like, sweet. Eliminate that stuff. Go to Africa. Give all those children some great medicine that'll just, like, eradicate that virus. Praise God. Hallelujah. But how many things do we not have cures for? How many people die of cancer? I mean, don't tell me that we don't need healing. How many people are suffering in chronic pain or terminal illness? Right? Am I the only one that's looking around and going, whoa, wait a minute. Has anyone else realized that our culture has been saturated by the drug industry and they're making tons of money? It's like the number one big thing. And it's like all over the TV telling you, you need drugs. And, any, and, and are any one of those drugs, do they cure you? Cure you. No. Five pills, 20 pills, 25 pills a day. I'm not judging anyone. I'm just trying to say, don't tell me you don't need healing. Don't tell me you don't need your inheritance. Don't tell me your neighbor doesn't need to receive healing. Don't tell me Americans have figured it out. I praise God for technology. I'm not going to to diss when it's actually good. But when it's just some drug supplier wanting money, and it actually has adverse side effects, and now there's lawsuits funny how that's all out there too, right? We don't know everything. And doctors make mistakes. I have friends with botched surgeries. I have friends who have metal in their body. Thank you, Lord, that they, maybe it did something. That's not a cure. I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm not judging, but is that a cure? Like more pain because you got metal in your body, right? My point is, I'm kind of ranting a little bit. We need the great physician. We need Jesus, MD. So if we need it, and it's in our inheritance, why not go after it? But Dave, is it in my inheritance? Is it the will of God? 
How do I know? How can I be sure? Because many of us aren't. And my job is to convince you. Turn with me to Luke chapter 8. I just want to spend a couple of minutes just kind of introducing this. I want to convince you today that it is the will of God for you to be healed. Now, I'm only just going to introduce this. And I'm going to show you uh, probably uh, maybe a week or two. Because there's three main reasons why it's the will of God for you to be healed that I've seen in the scriptures. Number one, it's who he is. Flat out, plain and simple, bottom line, it's just who God is. Number two, it's because he's promised it very clearly in the word of God. And I'll show you. And number three, because Jesus paid for it. Oh, I thought he, I thought he died for us. Yes, he did. But he paid for the whole deal. The whole deal. He didn't just die for the steering wheel. He died for the whole car. Right? He didn't just die for the engine. He died for the whole car. He has promised it. He has paid for it. But it is embedded in his very character and his very nature. I want to show you this in the scripture. We won't get to all that today. But look with me. In, did I say Luke 8? I did. I meant Matthew 8. Sorry about that. I've been thinking a lot about Luke lately. Sorry. Matthew chapter 8. <clears throat> you definitely don't want to drive with me in the passenger seat. I'd probably do the same thing. Oh, yeah, turn right. I mean left, you know. <laughs> I'm like a crazy driver preacher here. Okay. I remember one time I was driving on a freeway with my friend, and we were driving to like a wedding or something, and we were talking to it. was like my best friend. We preached to one another, right? And he was like, Dave, you've got some really good things to say, but I, you really scare me when you drive and preach. <laughs> I used to be even more crazy back then. All right. Matthew chapter 8. Let me ask you a couple questions here from the Word of God before we look at Matthew chapter 8. Did Jesus say, okay, this is a quiz here. This is a Bible quiz. Did Jesus say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father? True or false? True? Did Jesus say, I only do what I see my Father doing? True or false? Did Jesus say, I only, think, I only say the things my father tells me to say? It's all from the gospel of John, right? John 14, they're all hanging out, and they're like, Jesus, just show us the father. And Jesus says, you guys don't know me? Like, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. And then he actually said, if you don't believe me, believe the works that I do. You know that Jesus' primary ministry scripture not only was to reconcile us to the Father, but to reveal the Father. In John 17, he says, Father, I have glorified your name. Remember, Jesus said, my food is to do your will and to finish the job that you sent me to do. In John 17, he says, I finished it. I've glorified your name. Why? Do you know that Jesus is the word become flesh, right? He's the message of God. We said that this is the written word, but he is the word in human flesh. God's son the perfect revelation of who God is. Hebrews 1 says the exact representation of his being. So God's only begotten son, the word, through whom God created everything, became a human being so that we could see God in human form. That's what John chapter 1 says, right? John chapter 1, no one's ever seen God. But the only begotten God, who's become flesh, has revealed him to us. John chapter 1, the word became flesh. Why did the word become flesh? So that then we could see what God is like. You've got to understand that Jesus only did what the Father told him to do. Only said what the Father told him to say. Are we in agreement with that? Amen? 
I think everyone's pretty cool with that because we like Jesus. We know he's the son of God. We know he's, we know that. That's good. I like that. I like that. Yeah. You see Jesus, you see the father. He is the perfect revelation of God. Matthew chapter eight, verse one. When he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshiped him saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him saying, I am willing be clean immediately his leprosy was cleansed and jesus said to him see you tell no one but go your way show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that moses commanded as a testimony to them what does this man do this man has leprosy skin disease all over his body aches and pains was this this man was isolated wasn't he this man was isolated This guy was kicked out, rejected. He could not be with his family. He could not enjoy intimacy or family because he was had this skin disease, physically in pain, physically in physically sick, and relationally isolated. Maybe with a band of other lepers. Could anyone say emotional pain here? Right, relational problems. Relational problems. And he runs to Jesus in desperation. He says, Jesus, I know that you're able to heal me. I know that you can do this if you are willing, if it is your will, literally. If it is your will, if you want to do this, you can heal me. Do you realize that in America and with most Christians, it is not a question of whether or not God is able Most of us, if I were to go and ask you, can God do anything? Oh, of course. Can God heal people? I remember I was at Azusa Pacific University, great school, got my master's degree there, right? And almost any student, I never really brought the subject up, but every once in a while I'd come up in class and uh, uh, other people would argue. I just, I'd never argue, you know what I'm saying? Just, like, just be a blessing, you know? And, but they would come up to me after class. Because, you know, stories would come up and things like that. And I'd have students, you know, oh, man, I was on a mission trip. I mean, these people like, not spirit-filled at all. And they're like, I was on a mission trip, man. I saw some crazy stuff. They tell me stories. And I say, totally. And they'd say this, I know that God is able. See, I know, I believe in healing because I know he can do anything. Most people nowadays, most Christians will say that. I mean, I know God can if he wants to. And most of us, the way that we pray, well, Lord, if it's your will, I just pray you'd heal, you know, Bob and But if it's not, Lord, you know, just comfort us in his law. And when he goes and dies and, you know. <laughs> and most of us pray that way. Why? Because it's not a question for us if God's able to. It's a question of whether he's willing. Whether it is his will. And let me tell you something. Faith begins when the will of God is known. When does faith begin? When does faith begin? Faith begins when the will of God is known. And this man, this man, had a, this, had, this man had a measure of faith. He believed that God was able to heal him. He believed that Jesus had the ability, that Jesus was anointed by the Spirit of God. And this man probably heard testimonies of people being healed. But you know, even though testimonies build faith, how many times do I hear this? I put people up here on the stage to share testimony, and we love it and it encourages us. And how many times do, do 50% of the people in their minds say, but God did it for them. I don't know if God will do it for me. You want to know why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the 
word. We need to hear testimonies. They build up our faith. They convince us like, wow, really? You got healed like yesterday? God did that in your life? Man, God could do that. But the thing is, is that unless we hear the word of God, the truth from God's word, that it is our inheritance too, you just think the testimony was a nice thing, that God, God was in a good mood for that person. Must have been God's timing for that person. You want to know why we say things like that? We hear the testimony and we fit the testimony into our bad theology. So we say, oh, well, God was in a good mood. You know, it was God's will for that person. But I don't know if God wants to do it for me. That testimony is a testimony that God wants to do it for you because what he did for them is part of your inheritance too. And this man, he comes to Jesus and says, I know you're able to do this, but are you willing? Do you want to? And Jesus, just a few words, answers for this man and answers for us for all time what the will of God is. I want to. It is my will. One, one uh, gospel says he was moved with compassion. How many times did Jesus heal people because he was moved with compassion? What does that reveal? It reveals the heart of God, doesn't it? The character and the heart of God. Why? Compassion sees what is, sees brokenness and hates it, and is moved because it shouldn't be there. And compassion is moved to change that. Right? You ever see somebody sick, hurt, in pain? What do you go? Oh, that's good. That's good. I'm glad that they're like that, right? No, no. You see, you, you watch on the news and you see murder and, you know, uh, crazy atrocities in Syria. And you're like, oh, that's good. That's a good thing. You know, that's the way God created the world. Anyone feel like that? I mean, you don't even have to be a believer. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to believe, be a believer to be like, oh, that is horrible. Why is it horrible? Because you and I were not created for that. God is not the author of death, but the author of life. Didn't Jesus say himself, I am the resurrection of life. He is life itself. There is no shadow or darkness or wickedness in him. He is good, always good, all the time good. And there is no wickedness in him. He is life. The resurrection and the life. And so when Jesus, who is the life, runs into death, what did he do every time? He ruined every funeral he went to, didn't he? Even his own, yeah? Death could not hold him. Why? Because he is life. The author of it, the Bible says. Every funeral he ever ran into. One time he just ran into a funeral. Saw the woman crying. Moved with compassion. Says, women don't, women don't cry. Right? He's not being unsympathetic. Women don't cry. You know, don't, don't, be, don't, don't feel. No, he says don't cry. Why? Because I'm going to change this circumstance. This is something that should not be. And he says to this man, I am willing. And in two words, lays his hands on him and says, be clean. Does Jesus, does Jesus go, oh, um, um, whew, man, you're looking pretty bad there. Your skin. Okay, hold on a sec. Let me just get warmed up here. I need to touch you. Okay. Does he go? Does he go, here, can I just pray for you for a distance, right? Can I just do that right here? Does he go? And then does he go, okay, everyone, can we just bow our heads? Can we bow our heads? Okay. Well, Lord, you know. You know that Bob is a leper. Has leprosy. It really hurts. Can't see his family. And uh, that's how we pray, right? We got to give God a history, don't we? Like God doesn't know. 
God doesn't know. You know, God, and, and it'd be really nice if you healed him. I mean, he really wants to be. And Lord, if it's your will, Lord, if you're in a good mood today, and we don't say that usually, but that's what we mean. Or we say things like, we base it on their, you know, they're really faithful to you. They love you as if it was based on our works and not God's grace. And we pray things like that, don't we? Why? Because we don't believe it's God's will. Did Jesus pray like that? Did Jesus have to go, um, hold on a second. Hey, God, is it your timing today? You know, brother, I'm sorry. God told me it's not his timing. He's trying to teach you something. That's what we say, don't we? When in Jesus' ministry was he ever unable to heal anyone? Only they had some faith issues. We'll talk about that. When, though, in Jesus' ministry did he ever turn anyone away? No, brother. No, sister. It's just not God's time. It's not God's will. Never. Never turned anyone away. Why? Because Jesus is the perfect revelation of God. And he proves that God wants to. Why? Because he's the king invading this broken and dark world with God's kingdom. Why did Jesus heal? I said earlier, to reveal the Father. Why did he heal people? To reveal that this is who God is. Did did Jesus ever say a word that God didn't say? So do you think when Jesus said, I am willing, do you think that he was outside the will of God when he said that? Or do you think the Father was validating that? Right? He only said what the Father said. Yeah? I'm willing. So who was saying it as well? The Father. And then when he said, be clean, was he obeying the Father? And how do we know? Because the man was healed. The power of God validates God's will. The power of God, when he laid his hands on him, proved that God is willing. Jesus said this, the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy, right? The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, or the thief, I should say. But I have come to give life and life abundantly, yeah? So who comes to kill, steal, and destroy? So why is it that so many Christians attribute to God killing, stealing, and destroying? Could it be that the God of this age has lied to us? That religion and human tradition has misinterpreted the word of God and we've attributed to God what is not really God. Killing, stealing, destroying. Devil. I have come to give life and life to the fullest. Jesus, God, right? Jesus doing the will of God. Well, I don't know. I think that healing must have been a deceptive work. You know, people... Now, there are going to be deceptive miracles in the final days, you know, but we'll know. We'll know the difference. Those of us who are believers, we'll talk about that. Kill, steal, and destroy. Life and life to the fullest. Jesus' job description is to bring life. He came to save and to heal and deliver. Do you know that his name means Yahweh saves, right? Jesus comes from the Hebrew Yeshua. Yahweh saves. It's who he is. It's who he is. And he cannot not be who he is. He cannot cease to be himself. Honestly, that's all the proof I need for, for me to know that it is God's will to heal. Now that my mind's been renewed, back in the day I wouldn't say that. But not only is it who he is, he's made promises to us. 
And we'll look at those next week. But look with me in Exodus 15. You don't have to turn there, but I'm going to turn there. And I want to read you one verse. And I want you to understand something about God's character. All the way back in Exodus 15. After God led the people of Israel out of the, uh, Egypt through the Red Sea. God turns to the people of Israel and he's going to give them a promise. But listen to what he bases the promise on. And we'll talk more about the promises of God next week. But he says this. God said, if you diligently, or this is Moses speaking for the Lord. If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes or his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. Listen, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians. I love this. For I am the Lord who heals you. God promised the Israelites, promised, I will bless your bread and water and I will take sickness from the midst of you. I will not put on you the plagues that I put on Egypt. Why? Because I am the Lord who heals you. You know what that, that word is? Yahweh heals. Literally, Yahweh is your healer. So I'm not, not going to put those diseases on you because I am your doctor is what he's saying. I am your healer, your physician. I am the healer. And you know that his name reveals his character. Right here in Exodus 15, it's the first time, it's this declaration that God says, this is who I am. So if he was that then, is he that now? And he revealed it perfectly through his son Jesus, who declared with his words, I am willing, and proved it to us by the miracles that he did. He preached the gospel. He demonstrated the gospel. It's who he is. It's number one. It's the will of God because it's who he is. And listen to what Hebrews 13, 8 says. That Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Has he changed? And we'll talk about that. You know, why do people say that the healing has passed away and all that? I'll show you why people say that. But I'll tell you right now. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so if he is the, so, the savior, the one who brings sozo, healing, deliverance, freedom, if he is the king of a true kingdom who brings the kingdom, it's who he is. He's the resurrection and the life. He literally is the author of creation, the author of life. And he came to this earth to bring the kingdom to people, to bring life to people. It's who he is. He hated death when he ran into it, moved with compassion, rise up. He saw someone sick and he would heal them. He was demonstrating the kingdom and he was demonstrating the character of the Father. He did only what the Father did. He said only what the Father said. It's who he is. And if he was the great physician when he walked the earth, the Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so is it God's will to heal you today? Yes. Well, what about timing and all that? We'll talk about that. Let me tell you, it is his will because it's who he is. And he has promised it and he has paid for it. It is his will because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the one who heals. He is the savior. He is the healer. Amen? Stand with me. Worship team, come on up. 